Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello, and welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, March 2nd, the Allison's Viking Funeral Edition. I'm Allison, Allison Benedict, an editor at Slate and the mom of Harry, eight, Sam, five, and Wally, three, but turning four this weekend. Oh, happy birthday, Wally. I'm Gabriel Roth. I'm also an editor at Slate, and I'm the dad of Eliza, who is six, and Leo, who is two and a half. Hi, Gabe. Hi, Allison. On today's show, we'll talk to school teacher and occasional mom and dad are fighting guest Matt Dix about how parents can get the most out of parent-teacher conferences. Then, yes, we'll say goodbye to me. And like always, we'll have triumphs and fails, recommendations, and a listener call about relating to friends with kids when you don't have kids of your own. And for our Slate Plus segment, a special guest. We are collecting um, parenting hacks, strategies, tips, the things that make your family life run a little bit more smoothly than they might otherwise, the things that you figured out or that somebody told you that um, ease some of the friction. Um, go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash mom and dad are fighting and post your favorite parenting hacks there. We will quote you and share the love in a future episode. I just got to pass along my favorite newborn hack. I don't know if it's a hack, but tip to uh, one of our colleagues who just had a baby whose baby was screaming through uh, every bath and those little like, you know, the bath that you put in the sink and the baby can't really be submerged in the water at the beginning. They're like, you're in a trampoline and we're running a hose on you. Exactly. So a friend of mine told me when like I remember newborn Harry was screaming all the time that you get all these washcloths and put them in hot water, warm water and cover the baby in warm washcloths and then just take off a washcloth when you need to wash that part. And so then the baby's not cold and the baby's not screaming. Sort of mummification. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Also, if you have not yet joined Slate Plus, despite me doing two Slate Plus segments on this very podcast recently, please consider doing it now for just $5 a month or $49 a year. You will not only be getting great perks like ad-free podcasts, Slate Academies, and a cool weekly newsletter written by Gabe Roth. Sorry. Hi, Gabe Roth. Uh, You'll also be supporting the great and important work my colleagues do every day. 
Most recently, Slate Plus helped send our staff writer, Henry Grabar, to Chuck Grassley's town hall in Iowa. And he wrote a great piece getting behind the viral town hall videos, trying to understand what's actually happening at those events. Henry's story is great. You should read it. And it wouldn't have been possible without help from Slate Plus members. So come on, please join. Go to slate.com slash mom and dad plus. As a podcast listener, you already know how much fun it is to listen to great audio. But what about your kids? Shouldn't your kids have great stuff to listen to, too? Things that spark their imaginations and keep them entertained uh, without the guilt of just plopping them down in front of a screen. Well, Panoply, our podcast network, is working on audio for kids. And we really want mom and dad listeners to help shape what that project is like. What do you want your kids to hear? What would they love to hear? Go to panoply.link slash M-A-D-A-F survey. Stands for Mom and Dad Are Fighting Survey. Uh, It's a 30-second survey. Tell us about your kids and what kind of podcasts or audio you think they would enjoy. And we'll also put that link on our show page and our Facebook page. Okay, let's move on to Triumphs and Fails. Gabe, you go first. Uh, I have a fail that is maybe more of a fail by proxy, which is probably the worst kind of fail. Like I set up somebody else to fail. In this case, Tally, my wife. Um, So Leo is in this lovely preschool uh, with all these two and three-year-olds, and they invite the parents to come in one morning. Like, you can pick a morning when you, Leo's parents, come in and do a particular activity with all the kids. And I said, I really wanted to do this. We had done it before, and it was fun. And I said, we should do an activity that we do at home sometimes, uh, which is family dance party. Um, where you, you put on some music uh, and you all take it in turns like to do your dance and everybody has to copy you. Like now we're all doing mommy's dance and mommy does her funny dance and like that. It's really fun. Uh, and so then the scheduled morning was came around last week uh, and I had the flu. Um, we've, we've been passing this flu around, uh, and, and it was my turn to have the flu and I shouldn't go be in a room with a bunch of two and three year olds. So Tally had to go in by herself. Um, and and it turns out, she reports, that um, family dance party uh, is great for a two-year-old with two parents and a big sister. But family dance party for like 14 two-year-olds is a whole different story. And and it's not a great like constituency for family dance party. So Tally's in there with these two-year-olds and she puts on the music and the kids all start dancing and Tally says, okay, now we're going to do Leo's dance. And Leo is super excited because mommy's there and he's doing his dance. And so his, his dance move is like flinging himself on the floor face first, like just <laughs> slamming his face into the floor of the classroom. Um, and so then all the kids correctly perform family dance party by flinging themselves on the floor face first. Um, and, and the, the, so, you know, Tally tries to say like, okay, now it's Ramsey's turn. Now we're doing Ramsey's dance, but like Ramsey doesn't quite get that she's now meant to come up with a different creative family dance party move. So she continues flinging herself (laughs) on the floor face first. And, and so basically this thing is like 10 minutes or I'm sure it was only two minutes of kids like almost injuring themselves. While the teachers kind of look on in a slightly worried way um, until, you know, they had to cut off family dance party. Um, and so I, my fail is that I sent 
Tally into a hostile situation um, and basically... She, you didn't send her into a hostile situation. She created a hostile situation. Well, but it was my idea. It was me, like, scheduling this right, event right, right. And, and coming up with the activity and her going in to, to basically just <laughs> cause a bunch of little kids to do injury to uh, It's amazing that everyone wasn't, like, sobbing. Yeah, I mean, they had fun. They loved family dance parties. Then it wasn't a, then it was a triumph. I, I, you know, I, I wasn't there, but... I, I'm pretty confident it was not, in fact, a triumph. (laughs) Uh, Okay, that's a good one. Um, Well, I really wanted to come in with a triumph on my final show, uh, but everything's just been kind of normal, so I don't have one. Um, So as I'm sure you've experienced, you pay less attention to your... Uh, you pay most attention to your first kid and less attention to your second kid, and for me, uh, now a third kid. So... Uh, I hadn't noticed quite how little attention I've been paying to Wally's media consumption. Um, And recently we were in Florida visiting my parents and he was in the bath with Sam and my parents had these little Hanukkah themed rubber duckies. I don't know why they have those. Uh, And they were playing with them. And I uh, saw Sam holding one of the rubber duckies with the yarmulke on. And he said, I'm king of the Jews. And then Wally was holding his rubber ducky with the yarmulke on and said, I'm king of the Nazis. And Wally's three. And I thought, holy shit, where did he get that from? Nazis? Like, how does he know about Nazis? Um, And I assumed that he had learned it from Harry, who reads all these I Survived books. Do you know about these? No, we haven't gotten there yet. It's like a series of books. They're terrible, but it's like I Survived the Joplin Tornado, I Survived the Great Chicago Fire, I Survived the Nazi Invasion of 1944 is one of them, which Harry has read. Uh, so I thought that must be how Wally knows, but I'm just like not going to say a word and just not focus on it because I'm not. What am I going to? I'm going to have a conversation with him about Nazis. He's three. I'm just going to, you know, let it go. Anyway, later that night, I learned the truth, which is we all sat down to watch um, the second Indiana Jones movie, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, which is very awful, and none of my kids should have been watching it, and it involves like a person being burned to death alive. Uh, and we ended up turning it off when that started. But before that, while we were watching, every time a bad guy came on screen, Wally said, is that a Nazi? Is that a Nazi? Is that a Nazi? And I soon realized that they had watched the first Indiana Jones movie with a babysitter, and there's a whole Nazi Nazi, plot the whole thing movie. is about right, Nazis, exactly. Yeah. So my fail is that Wally watched the Indiana Jones movie, like which I allowed. Like I wasn't home, but I was like, oh, sure, you guys can watch Indiana Jones, which taught him about Nazis. Um, and I shouldn't have done that because he's three. So hopefully he'll stop talking about Nazis soon. I mean, it's a classic piece of adventure. Yeah. Cinema. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's a classic parenting Pe- Piece of fail. history? Oh, no. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> that too. <laughs> it's a right. piece and we of did. History. We knocked off a lot of classics. Yeah. Uh, now he's seen Raiders of the Lost Ark and he knows about Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like a triumph to me. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. We are recording this episode at 4 p.m. on Wednesday afternoon, and right after we're done, I'm going to race to Penn Station to get back to Jersey in time for my parent-teacher conference with Harry's teacher, my first of three parent-teacher conferences this week. Tis the season for extremely brief check-ins with your children's teachers where you're expected to squeeze all of your questions and concerns and go fishing for compliments into 15 minutes or less. 
So to get advice on how we can get the most out of these short interactions, we asked Connecticut elementary school teacher and occasional Slate podcast guest, Matt Dix, to join us. Hey, Matt. Hey, guys. How you doing? Great. So before you tell me how I should prepare for or approach my conference, uh, tell me how you, the teacher, prepare for these things. I'm actually preparing right now. I stopped just to take this phone call. Uh, I get the report cards done, and usually the process of getting a report card done is enough to get me pretty prepared for a conference. If there's ever a problem with a student that I have, parents are well aware of that problem well before a parent-teacher conference. So when I sit down with parents and kids, that's really no surprises whatsoever. We're in constant communication anyway, so, uh, so not a lot of preparation is required. So let's say I haven't had much interaction with my teacher, uh, my kid's teacher this year. Um, I don't even need to see let, let's say. I haven't had much interaction with my, with my kid's teachers this year, <laughs> What, which is a, a, probably a good thing. Uh, but what should I be hoping to find out during this short, brief 15-minute uh, window? Yeah, so you only have 15 minutes. We have 30, and I often schedule a little longer. I, I just feel like when teachers are willing to give a little bit more time, the bang for the buck is extraordinary. Uh, I know parents appreciate it a great deal. How long but are yours, Gabe? I, I guess I the, think the advice minutes. I always give is if a teacher starts to sort of put papers in front of you, I, you know, as a parent now too, I have to, I'm on the other side of the table. I never put papers in front of parents and I never want to see papers from my students. So if your teacher is getting ready to, to show you the latest tests or, you know, the latest scores on some standardized test, I always ask uh, the teacher, to not show me this. I'd just like to have a genuine conversation about my kid. And if they want me to look at papers, they can put them in a, in a yellow envelope and I'll take them home and I'll look at them and I'll return them the next day. I just think that the time that we have face-to-face is far too precious to spend any time staring at sheets of paper when uh, what we really should be doing is talking about the kid. I've had parent-teacher conferences that have been great and really productive and have helped me get insight into my kid and what's going on with them at school and how I can be helpful. And then I've also had parent-teacher conferences where it feels like, well, this teacher works with 20-plus children and uh, my kid is one of them. And it's hard to come up with um, really detailed, specific things about all 22 kids. And I feel like, uh, you know, this person doesn't necessarily have any particular insight to, to help me out with here. What what would you do in that situation? I guess the two things I always go into the conferences with my students and my approach with parents is I always want to make sure I talk about one thing that they're doing exceptionally well and one thing that they absolutely have to work on, regardless of the kid. So, you know, my best and brightest kid, I have something she absolutely has to work on. And my most difficult student has something that they are always doing extraordinarily. So I ask teachers that if they sort of are stuck when I take the papers away. I think the problem sometimes is teachers use the paper as sort of like a PowerPoint presentation. It allows them to figure out what to say instead of engaging in in an authentic conversation. So I always lead with, can you just tell me, tell me something they're doing really well. Tell me something that they're really not doing well. And then I always ask, like, do they have friends and how do they treat their friends? And that's really all I ever want to hear in a conference. So what do you as a teacher see as the purpose of the conference? And do you think that conflicts with what most parents want to get out of it? I mean, most parents want, I guess, want to hear nice things about their kids and want to know that you really get their kids. Um, I actually, in my experience, when I tell parents about 
the struggles that their kids have, especially, you know, I teach fifth grade. So oftentimes a parent will sit in front of me and I will say, and I have kids in the conferences, the, ki- the kids attend every conference too, because I'll never say anything to a parent that I won't also say to the kid. And so when I sit there and I say, listen, she just doesn't work very hard. I can't tell you how often I have a parent say, oh, thank God. We thought so too. I, I think teachers sometimes are hesitant to say the bad because, you know, if a kid isn't working hard, a teacher will automatically assume that it's their fault. And so rather than mentioning it, they'll avoid saying that and they will stay on the positive. I really believe parents want to hear both sides of it. In fact, I think parents often want to hear, what are we going to do to make this kid more successful, more than they want to hear the positives. Uh, you know, they're often striving to find, what can I do to help my kid? And that starts with, what is my kid's problem? So, you know, I'm very honest about it. And the kids know what I'm going to say going into the conference. I just asked the kid today, I said, what is your main problem? And he goes, um, I fall apart when I get bad grades and then I stop trying. And I said, good, that's what I'm going to tell your parents in the conference. He said, okay. You know, and that's what we're going to talk about in that conference. So, you know, I, I just strive for honesty and um, not the blinding of paperwork that sort of ruins any possible conversation we can have. Um, so I don't know if Gabe, you've experienced this and, uh, maybe this reveals too much about me, but, uh, I find myself wanting, uh, the teacher to really like me in these conferences. I don't know why. I don't think that has any effect on how they, uh, will ultimately treat my kid, but does it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I will say no, but what I will say is, uh, you know, if you are a difficult parent in some way, it might reduce the amount of communication that you receive from a teacher. You know, if you're a parent who sort of abuses the relationship and takes advantage of a teacher's email or phone number that they've given you, that teacher's probably going to reach out to you less often. Uh, whereas if you're, you know, more respectful and more of a partner, you're probably going to hear from the teacher a lot more often. But I can't ever remember uh, a parent, maybe they have been trying to get me to like them, but I've never sensed that. You know, I actually, in my conferences, what I try to do is break down barriers between me and parents. So I dress down for conferences. Like, I dress worse than I normally dress because I want to get closer to them. You know, I know teachers who wear ties and suits only on conference week, and I just think that's crazy because that's just establishing this weird barrier. So I'll often, like, have a conference, and then I have an hour to kill. So I'll go to the gym, work out, come back in my gym clothes all sweaty, and invite the next set of parents in and say, sorry, I just went to grab a workout in between. And they always say, of course, no problem. We understand uh, because we're just, you know, three adults getting together to talk about someone we love. And so I strive for that uh, closeness with parents. And it's probably why the godparents of both of my children happen to be parents of former students in my class because I get cl- that close to parents very often. How often do you find yourself talking to parents about some aspect of the kid's behavior that or, or or performance that's not academic, something about how the kid is doing socially or how they're behaving in class or something that you're concerned about that's not just about how well they're doing on tests and on homework assignments? Uh, that's almost always what I'm talking about. You know, if they're struggling with reading or math or writing, it is more likely that it is a behavior that they have that is causing the struggle. So it is that they don't like to work hard or they don't set high enough goals for themselves or they rush to get to other things or they lack confidence. You know, at the root of all those problems, academic problems, most of the time it is a behavioral situation. I mean, it's the same in work. You know, if you're working with somebody and they're not getting the job done, 
it's not because they don't know how to do the job. It's because of something else that's happening that causes them to, to not do it adequately. So I am almost always talking about non-academic subjects with parents. All right, Matt, we'll let you get back to preparing for your own conferences. Uh, thank you so much. And, I just, and and also, thank you for passing along one of the best uh, tips I ever got from doing this podcast, which was to just ask the teacher if you can call. How can I say this without saying a million purposes? Them. Use thank them. You. <laughs> which is to ask the teacher if you can call them by their first name, which has really helped yeah, a lot. It's really good. I, have, I actually have college students who are working with me this semester. And I'm trying to get them to call me by my first name, and um, they're having a hard time doing it. And I point out to them, we're not that far apart in age. Yeah. Like, please, just call me Matt. Yeah. And even now, they're still already sort of stuck in that that Mr. and Mrs. mode. But, uh, yeah, I think that's a good thing to do. Okay, thanks, Matt. The paperback edition of Matt's book, The Perfect Comeback of Caroline Jacobs, comes out on Tuesday when Matt has a whole bunch of parent-teacher conferences. Bye, Matt. Thanks, guys. Take care. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Each week, we take a listener call and try to answer it. If you have a question, please call and leave us a message at 424-255-7833. Today, we have a good one from Brienne. I'm a 31-year-old married female, and my partner and I have no intentions of ever having children. Uh, we're at the point now where most of our friends are married and starting to have kids. So my question is, how can we be good friends to them and relate to them, even though we won't be sharing the experience of having kids? How many childhood friends do you have? Uh, and how do you maintain positive relationships with them when they may be living very different lives from your own? Um, hey, Brianne. Um, I don't have that many child-free friends. Um, I have uh, friends at work who don't have kids. Um, but, like, in terms of my social life outside of work, I don't have a ton. Um, and that's probably – I don't, I mean, I think that is a function of, like, we end up hanging out with uh, people whose lives are – like, whose schedules on the weekends are similar to ours – but I do think that in the early stages, when your friends are just starting to have kids, like that's the hardest, I think, maybe like they're like your life seems so your life to you and to them probably will feel so drastically different. And they're like bound by this horrible nap schedule and um, this like all of these new pressures. But eventually, I think that really can um, go away. I like love socializing with my friends who happen to have kids, like after work, meeting for a drink, having adult time, getting babysitters. So I do think that like it's possible, um, but it might not. It might there might be like a period of time where it feels like it's not. Yeah, um, I think this this is a good question. Thanks for listening to a parenting podcast, by the way. Um, first thing I would say is like not all of your current friendships will survive the kids, no kids schism. Um, we have a lot of nominal friends who don't have kids, um, who, who we acquired before we had kids. Um, and, and like you, they're usually very willing to accommodate our schedule and they want to make plans and they want to see our kids and they understand that we are not always available. But it's obvious to me that we are among their worst and most annoying and most difficult and least fun friends um, because we can't 
really make plans with them at normal times, like in the evening, and we always get tired, and we haven't seen any movies that they want to talk about because we haven't been to the movies since 2011. And, you know, with some of them, then we get a babysitter, and we go out to dinner with them, like, twice a year, three times a year, and it's really great and fun, and those are like, that's the best evening I've had in six months. Um, And sometimes they come over to brunch, and we're all basically watching the kids and playing with the kids, and there's some sort of interstitial catching up type of conversation in between playing with the kids, and that is what our friendship is like. And if you really love the people, um, then that is a friendship worth sustaining. Um, And if you don't have a super strong connection, then that might be a friendship that you should sort of say, you know, politely say goodbye to um, and with no faults on either side, kind of. Um, So I guess the advice I have for you is to identify the people and the relationships that are really important to you and that you really want to preserve and make a big effort with those people. Um, And maybe with your partner, get clear on who those people are and try to schedule stuff with those people. And I think also understand that if you're not seeing those people as much as you would like, they're probably not seeing their other friends any more often than they're seeing you. Like it might not have anything to do with the fact that you uh, don't have kids. We talk all the time with our like very good friends about how crazy it is, how like we just don't we don't see each other. There's not that much. It's not that easy to see each other. And so you definitely shouldn't take that as a sign that you're like somehow being, you know, uh, blocked out from that relationship. You have more time to socialize than they do. I'm guessing. That's absolutely right. And like the expectations can be different on two sides. Like if you don't have kids and there's a friend who you can never make plans with and you don't see them for a month, then that's a friendship crisis. And if you do have kids and there's a friend who you can't see for a month, then that's a normal month. Right. Okay. Thanks for the question, Brianne. Uh, Again, listeners call us if you have your own at 424-255-7833. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So this is a very special and horrible episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting uh, because this is the episode in which we say goodbye to Allison Benedict, uh, who made this podcast what it is. Um, and I, I am tempted to do a very mawkish and sentimental goodbye here, but um, sure. obviously that, that that would be the exact opposite of everything that Alison Benedict represents. Uh, is that true? Yeah. I, okay. I think if you stand for anything, you stand four square against mawkish sentimentality. Um, and so instead of doing that um, – I'm going to surprise her by turning things over to our special surprise co-host who is joining us live from New Zealand. Say hello to Dan Coyce. Hi, Allison. (laughs) Hello, Dan Coyce. I was hoping you'd be on. Here I am. What's up? What's been going on? Uh, uh, We're just living the life here in Wellington, far, far away from the insanity of American politics. Pretty sweet. Before we get to me which I'm assuming is what you're going to do. Can you give us like a little update on how the kids are doing? Uh, the kids are good. The kids are enjoying it. Uh, I have failed in various ways with them. I believe we're going to share one of my fails as a Sleep Plus segment today. But overall, the kids are really loving it. And um, I'm going to try to post some stuff to the Mom and Dad Facebook page soon about what we've been up to. Okay, now let's get to me. <laughs> 
All right. Uh, we have so many of your fails to go back through. We're really excited. Uh, Allison, please enjoy your Viking funeral. So Zach has a bunch of your fails all queued up, I believe. And um, our first clip here captures something that all of us parents do from time to time, but something that you are the true master of. Let's hear it, Zach. So as I may have mentioned before, and as probably most parents of kids in elementary school or beyond can relate to, the school sends us like, I don't know, five worksheets every day about various things, permission slips and notices that this is going to happen in the future. And and then also those are paper, you know, paper notices. And then also maybe I would say probably five to eight emails a day, either from the school, the PTA or the class parent who is just, a you know, I mean, bless that person. Right. Um, so I sort of have a system where it's not a system, it's, <laughs> but uh, a non-system <laughs> system where I read the things that have, you know, that matter tomorrow or, you know, the permission slip that needs to be turned in with money, that sort of stuff. And then the other stuff I kind of just like don't deal with. Sure. And one of the things I did not deal with was we started getting notices and emails about an upcoming readathon, which was just this vague, what's a readathon? I don't know. It's this vague thing out there in the future. <laughs> Requires you to get sponsors. And we read. Sure, of course we read. But I don't know. Ti- it has something to do with timing your reading. Eh. And I just kind of didn't think about it. And then I started hearing people talking about it. It had started. And then I would go to friend's house and I'd see like charts on their refrigerators <laughs> where they were, you know, marking the time that they're kidding. And I just sort of la 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 anyway congratulations to our neighbor cyrus who won <laughs> the readathon uh, at the school and also congratulations to my son harry's kindergarten class who triumphed and won the readathon for all the kindergarten five kindergarten classes in his school miraculously without one family participating ours <laughs> So my my son was like mom we won the readathon what's the readathon <laughs> Uh, I have turned that tri- uh, that fail into a, I don't know if I would say a triumph or a guiding principle, because that was kindergarten for Harry, so that was uh, three years ago, and we have still not done any readathons. Uh, we've read, <laughs> but I, now I'm just like, I, it, I've just I've made it part of my identity. I don't do the readathon. Also, I was right, reminded, but- um, I thought that clip was actually going to be as I started talking, uh, that I also um, didn't sign up for kindergarten that one year, that one time. Oh, really? I forgot to sign up for Let's kindergarten. Let's hear. Oh. <laughs> I missed the deadline to sign Sam up for kindergarten. Ooh. Wait, but so he's still going to go to kindergarten, right? Uh, somewhere. Uh, <laughs> um, Maybe back in Brooklyn. No. So, yeah. So I, despite knowing that the deadline was approaching, I saved it to the last day. Sent John there with all the forms and then, like, was missing a form and then it was too late. What will probably happen is it will be fine. We'll be able to register in the summer, like, people who are transferring in or whatever do, just like we did last year. And I think it'll be fine. And if it's not fine and we get shut out of our school, then we'll go to another school in the district, which would also be fine. Although it would be kind of a bummer because it's not with the neighborhood kids. I don't really have anything more to say about it, but I felt like I should include it because it's a pretty big fail. You don't have to. We do don't even you, have to. You don't even have to try to make it into something else. Well, it's definitely not a triumph. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a straight up <laughs> fail. But, um, 
But I guess the question is, like, do you view it as emblematic in any way? Is this a, yes. you guys keep fucking up in this way? Yes. So what, do you want to, like, find, do you want to try and remedy this? Or yes. Or do you just feel like you'll forever be the parents who will be doing this? Yes. All do you have a- uh, I should I should probably, when I go home, take a picture of our mail pile and put it on the Facebook page as my <laughs> parting do. gift. Because it has not gotten better. It's only gotten uh, better. Our listeners seemed quite stressed out on your behalf, Allison. Let's hear I have a fail. It has nothing to do with mail. Uh, thank you, everyone who wrote in. We got so many, as Dan mentioned, we got so many um, emails from our last episode, mostly about parenting ambivalence, but we got a bunch also begging me to open my mail. <laughs> um, I appreciate your concern. Thank you, everyone. So what you're saying, Allison, is that the mail situation is no better in your home today. You still have a gigantic stack of mail. It's no better. And probably since at least one of those episodes, I have an additional child. Um, so, yeah, it's worse. Right. <laughs> it's worse. Uh, do you feel in the end like this is any kind of personality failure on your part? Or do you just embrace that you're the kind of uh, you're the kind of free flowing improvisational personality who can roll with anything and who therefore does not need to know what the world at large thinks you need to do oh no it's definitely a flaw a personal a personality flaw first of all i am not a like free flowing whatever happens happens kind of person as i yeah think probably our listeners know uh no i just am like highly disorganized at home and also really good at like repressing things that i don't want to deal with um until they come crashing down and that's why uh, my our lives are almost always in like an emergency situation, <laughs> uh, and I don't think everyone lives like that. So yeah, it's a flaw. <laughs> All right, Gabe, you want to take the next one? Sure. So I think the first time I was on this show with Allison, we talked about birthday parties, something that Allison has failed at in a heroic way. My five-year-old Harry, who's in kindergarten, about a week ago, he just kind of started mentioning around the house that he was hosting a pirate party. And we kind of weren't paying attention or weren't really listening. And he was, it became like this very elaborate thing who he was inviting. It was going to be an indoor outdoor party. They were, you know, he had all the activities planned and what everyone was going to wear. And then finally, I, my husband and I thought, oh shit, <laughs> like he really thinks he's having this party. How are we going to tell him we're not having the party? And my inclination always when they like sort of, wake up in the morning and say like you know let's go oh i have a great idea let's go to chuck e cheese today is to say like uh no we're not going to chuck e cheese but we i decided or we decided i can't take all the credit for this that we're doing this we're doing the pirate party i emailed the parents who were like oh yeah we know about this pirate party because harry told us about it at school pickup (laughs) (laughs) you're never at school pickup but we knew about it and then harry like you know, said, when are we going to the store to buy all the costumes? And I thought, hey, pirate party, it costs money. Instead, we went to the 99 cent store. This is not my thing. If like anyone had to say any, not, I mean, 99 cent stores are my thing, but like crafts and figuring this sort of thing out. No one would call me a resourceful mom, basically. Right. But we got like 99 cent extra long shoehorns as swords. (laughs) And (laughs) it was really kind of, you know, it was it was a sad pirate party to me, but it only cost $16 altogether. And the kids had a great time. And now he's already planning when when the parents came to pick up. He was like, next week, my Spider-Man party. (laughs) Uh, that was actually not even a birthday party. That was just like a party for no reason and is a fond. It was just a, just a pirate party. Yeah, but it is a fond memory of our uh, life in our Brooklyn apartment when we were cool and urban. (laughs) So 
Let's hear about what happened when you tried to plan that intimate, tasteful kid's birthday party. How did that go? Saturday is Harry's birthday, and it's also his birthday party, and he's turning eight. Uh, and for the first time ever in the history of having kids, I'm not spending a shit ton of money for his party yet, I guess I should say. <laughs> <laughs> um so in years past, I've all I've always like, oh, I'm not going to spend a lot of money. We're going to, you know, just have it at the house. That's often why we do have it at the house. So it's going to be cheaper instead of like going to one of those party places. But inevitably, a week or so before the party, I like start to panic um, that it's not going to be cool enough. For, and I go out and buy ridiculous amounts of decorations and crap for party favors and way too much food. And just after- hand out five dollar bills yes. to every kid. <laughs> And afterward, I'm always like, why did I do that? And then, like, a neighbor will have – their kid will have a birthday party that's just, like, five boys have, watching a movie and eating pizza. And I'm like, man. At they least know what I'm better doing. than them. No. They really know what they're doing. The kids had, like, just as much fun there, if not more fun, because there wasn't, like, pressure for, <laughs> for me with all the stuff. But anyway, so I'm not going quite that low-key this year because Harry didn't want a uh, movie and pizza, but we're just doing a flag football party, and all I've spent so far is $30 on a flag belt set and a cake, and we'll buy the kids five guys for dinner, but that's it. I'm not doing any other. I'm not going to, like, I don't think between now and Saturday I will be able to put in, like, a last-minute rush order of, like, football keychains or jerseys for all the kids. So Or an actual appearance by <laughs> Odell Beckham Jr. Right. Right. And let's see how that went. We've actually been trying to make the page a bit more active. I, for instance, posted a photo of the gift bags that I ultimately caved and purchased for Harry's birthday party after claiming my not buying gift bags for Harry's party as a triumph in the last episode. <laughs> um, it's not you can have a But you turned ways. it into a social media triumph. Right. <laughs> it got many likes. Jesus Christ, Allison. Oh, my God. I am a nut. Listening to all these <laughs> clips is painful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. listeners. I bet those were great. A great way though. to reveal what a neurotic mess any person is is to collect their greatest moments over the course of three years and just <laughs> slam them with them one at a time. So, what can you? You never really truly explained why you bought those gift bags. In the end, did you just decide a party isn't a party without gift bags? I mean, there is some like social pressure that I don't b- buy into. I say, and then I do. I guess um, I don't know because he wanted gift bags, and I yeah, and I I just I always panic before these birthday parties and feel like I haven't done enough or it's not special enough. I have one coming up on Saturday, actually, Wally's fourth birthday party. Ooh, fourth. We shall big see. One. Better be special. <laughs> I haven't even oh, ordered yeah, the that's cake a, yet. That's one of the biggest. <laughs> the big the big four. <laughs> uh, I mean, he'll definitely remember it for the rest of his life. So yeah. yeah. I hope it goes okay. Uh, all right. So um, here's, your, here's your third fail we wanted to collect. A lot of listeners wrote in about a more recent rushing out the door in the morning fail that they really remembered. So as usual, I was rushing in the morning. Harry had already left for school. John was driving Wally to preschool, and I was racing around the house uh, like a loon trying to get showered and do the dishes and walk velvet and get out the door in time to get Sam to the bus stop. So I was losing it and shouting from the bathroom like, Sam, you need a sweatshirt. It's cold. Get a sweatshirt. And Sam, find your shoes. I need you to find your shoes. And as I'm doing this whole tense morning routine thing, Sam keeps popping his head into the bathroom with a book and pointing to a word and asking me like, does this say good or is this word track? And I'm getting like really annoyed at him, even though obviously like he's five and he's learning to read, which I should encourage and actually take a second and be like, that is the word track. 
Uh, and I'm just like, you know, sort of screaming at him like, yes, that's that says good. Now go find your shoes. We don't have time. And he comes back in and points to a word and says, does this say dumbass? And <laughs> without looking at the book, I said, what do you say? What did you say, Sam? And he says, again, does this say dumbass? And I put down the hairdryer and I said, Sam, that is not an OK word. Go to your room right now until I time, tell you it's time to go. And he gets very upset and says, Mom, I'm just trying to read. And I like, boom, go to your room. Uh, Cut to a few minutes later when I'm finally ready to go and a little calmer. And we actually have a few minutes to spare. And I go to get him out of his room. And he's still holding the book. And he points to the word and says, I'm so sorry, Mom. I didn't know this was a bad word. And I look at the word. And it's Thomas. He was not saying dumbass. (laughs) He was saying Thomas. (laughs) which he can read. Uh, so well, I, I hope he learned an all. important lesson about enunciation. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. kills me one, still. Yeah. Uh, I think I said the takeaway from that fail was that Sam needed speech therapy, and we haven't <laughs> done that yet because I can't get my act together, but he does. So really, it's, you know, it's an ongoing. Maybe the speech therapist has sent you a letter that is sitting in a mail <laughs> right, pile right, right now. Yeah. Waiting to be opened. Um, another one people wrote in about a lot um, is is this very sweet memory, I think, that captures um, the profound and unbreakable bond that Allison and, and I think all mothers share with their children. Let's let's hear that one, Zach. So Sam has been begging me all year to go on his uh, on a class field trip. As working parents know, sometimes it can be hard to do this. But last week, I asked our boss for the morning off and went with a bunch of four-year-olds, four-year-olds and five-year-olds, to this place called the Great Swamp, which is a cool wildlife refuge in New Jersey. Uh, but so we were hiking as a group and with this tour guide and having a great time. We're walking on one of those like raised wooden boardwalks, um, and the swamp was down below when Sam tripped. And fell into the swamp. Oh, my God. And what did I do? I said, holy shit. And then I got down on my knees on the wooden boardwalk and stretched my arm out and yelled, Sam, like over and over again, yelled, Sam, give me your arm. Give me your arm. (laughs) And while I was doing that, another mom, we'll call her Mary, she jumped into the swamp and pulled Sam out, which had not occurred. It didn't even occur to me to do that. Like I did not even consider yeah. Getting in to get him out. I was just like, why won't you extend your hand to mine? Yeah. So I felt like a total asshole afterwards. She was like, <laughs> you know, her her shoes were all muddy and she was incredibly nice about it. She didn't do anything to like brag or rub it in my face, but I still felt like I just felt like I was so embarrassed that I didn't jump in myself and she was the hero of the day. And then the next day, Sam's teacher sent a weekly newsletter to all the parents in the class, which she always does. And the opening read, word on the street is that Joanne's mom, Mary, is a true superhero. If you haven't already heard, well, at the Great Swamp, Sam lost his footing and landed in the swamp. And Mary, a.k.a. Superwoman, jumped in and saved the day. And then there's like underneath are pictures from the from the field trip. And there's just a picture of me like hanging out in the background. So everyone, if they didn't know, if they didn't already know that, like, parents who didn't attend the field trip, if they wondered, like, oh, her, that's so nice of Mary because Allison must not have been there. Now they know I was there. That was so great. I was – the best part about listening to it again was that I was laughing really hard and also I could hear myself laughing really hard. 
from the original <laughs> recording, and it's just as funny the second time. The best part about that was you and your laugh. <laughs> <laughs> no, the best part about it was the picture that Sam drew uh, of him falling in the swamp yeah. and Mary, let's say, jumping in to rescue him, and then the little stick figure you still standing on the boardwalk. Uh, just watching it all happen, which then was put up in his kindergarten class with a description of the event, uh, which we have posted to our Facebook page. Really an all-time great yeah. moment. Uh, I just love that. I don't even have any kind of justifying patter to give you. That was just a straight-up amazing fail. Yeah, I will say, like, some of these fails, I wish I wish I would open my mail. I wish, like, I wasn't a mess about things like that. I wish I didn't get the uh, party favors, but I'm so glad this happened. This is a good story. <laughs> <laughs> and Sam was okay. Let me just say Sam was fine. <laughs> uh, and you didn't have to get your shoes fucking muddy, and so everyone wins. Agree. All right. Well, so no Viking funeral, Allison, would be complete without a few surprises, a few Toastmasters to give toast to the dearly departed. Allison, let's hear what your kids have to say about your parenting. What are the three things you love most about mommy? Um, I like her and... What she does, she turns on the TV for <laughs> Does she really turn the TV on for you? Yeah. Okay. And, and she plays with me sometimes. <laughs> That's nice. That sounds fun. Does she read you books? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> okay, well now what's your least favorite thing about mommy? Um... I love her. <laughs> <laughs> That's your least favorite thing is that you love her? Yeah. <laughs> okay, do you have anything you want to say to mommy? Um, I like you, <laughs> mommy. Oh, wow, that was... Wally, that's so touching. I love yeah. turning on the TV for you, too. <laughs> <laughs> right, that is really bad. Oh, let's my hear, God. Let's hear what Sam has to say. What are your three favorite things about mommy, Sam? My three favorite things about mommy are that if you're not that if you're not being bad, then she's really cunning. And also, if you're not being bad, she also sometimes might get you toys, and also she sometimes might get you two toys or three. All right. Is that? It, is there yeah. anything else? Is no. That, okay. Now, what are your three least favorite things about mommy? If you're being bad, she doesn't really yell. She just tells you to go to your room. And also, if you be really bad, she yells and tells you to stay on the your room. And also, if you're being really, really bad, she might take away like a couple of my Legos. That's, well, that's it. It sounds like that's pretty good parenting to me. <laughs> Because what if she didn't do anything when you were being bad and just let you be bad all the time? How would that be? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for being such a good pa- co- podcaster, Mommy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, I like that the three things he dislikes most about your parenting are just tiered levels of badness. <laughs> and the things <laughs> that, that he likes most are one gift, two, one toy, two toys, three toys. Right. My kids are right. very, very transactional. <laughs> The thing I don't care about, Mommy, is that when we're not interacting with each other, she neither gives nor takes things away from me. Uh, all right. And let's uh, let's hear what your eldest, Harry, uh, has to say about you as, as a mom. This is definitely not going to be any more introspective. 
Harry, tell me three things that you love the most about mom. Mommy wasn't the one taking my Lego set. Uh, don't. Not, it's not about who you like better, me or mommy. It's what you <laughs> love about mommy the most. Oh, so my third reason is mommy's uh, likes coffee. That's why you love mommy. That she yes. likes coffee. <laughs> All right, now what are the three things you don't like about mommy? Ooh, the downside. Uh, <laughs> he drinks water instead of coffee in bed. That doesn't seem like a good Her reason. lamp looks terrible. You're just looking around. You're in our bedroom, and you're just looking around our room for things to talk about. He has think about mommy. Close your eyes. Close your eyes and think about mommy. This I is get, a terrible you know podcast. <laughs> All right. Oh, man, I... Could not have said it better myself. That is why I never wanted to have my kids on. Thanks, no. guys. I'm touched. <laughs> uh, if you really want to be touched, let's hear what the entire family has to say. Hi. And is there anything that you want to say to mommy that all of her listeners are going to hear? Everyone's going to hear it. Is there anything you want to say to her? Because this is going to be the last time she's on yeah, this yeah. show yeah. and she's and she's not yeah. going to do it anymore. Is there anything, anything you want to say? Yeah, like, goodbye yeah, yeah. or. Bye, mom. I hope. Your pod. I hope almost everybody in the whole earth listens to your podcast, and I love ya. Bye. Okay, now I go. I'm kidding. Um, bye. I hope. I hope one thousand people listen to your podcast. Okay, and Wally, you have anything you want to say to mommy? No, but I don't want her to go away. She's not going away. She's not going away. She's just stopping to do her podcast. That's all. Okay, say bye, guys. Bye. 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 <laughs> what this a vision, beautiful Gabe, family. please tell me if I'm right that the whole time she was listening to that, Allison was like grinding her teeth, <laughs> wanting to yell at her kids for not listening, but being unable to do so. I, okay. No, in fact, she was mawkishly dabbing at the corner of one eye with a handkerchief. Uh, I have oh. to say, this was not a total surprise because John did not pull this off well, and I ran into him yesterday and knew this happened, <laughs> and he was like, it went horribly, I'm sorry. <laughs> so that was actually cute, cuter than I uh, in- imagined it would be. It was it was very cute. Well, let's, um, let's let John explain in person. Uh, John, are you there? Surprise! Hello! Hi, <laughs> sweetheart. Thanks for doing that. They were very funny. <laughs> Hello. Sorry I can can, can eke uh, better performances out of them. Yeah. We can't all be quiz uh, kids. Yeah, we need to work on your directing skills. Jim. I'm not a good stage parent. Uh, I had no. come home. I, 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 had the, I had a chance to get all the kids to record this without Allison knowing about it, and I forgot. And then, so... <laughs> this is why we belong together, honey. <laughs> so, right. So we sent then, John a letter asking him to please take care of this important task. So then I, I I came home early from work, but Allison was was home with the kids, but she was like out or out at a coffee shop while our sitter was with the kids, and I kind of tried to sneak in, do the recording, and then sneak out, and then pre- I was going to pretend to then be coming home at the normal time, like from the train. But as I was sneaking away, I literally just walked right by her on the street and uh, got yeah. caught. So I had to give up the uh, give up the goods. Yeah, right. it's good to know just how bad your spouse is at deceit. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that was the first thing she was like, "What are you doing here?" Yeah. <laughs> it's for the podcast. All right, John. Um, as the person who sees Allison's parenting, 
uh, more than anyone except maybe her kids. Uh, what is the most wonderful thing about Allison as a parent? What's the thing you love most about her parenting? Uh, the thing I love most about Allison's parenting um, is her capacity for joy and and uh, finding, you know, sort of being overwhelmed with uh, emotion and love in certain moments. She is a caveller, um, and uh, she just, you know, they're like, you know, moments, picturesque moments of, you know, our children running down a beach or uh, playing in the yard or whatever it is. There are just moments where they, they she stops and is able to just sort of be overwhelmed with emotion uh, and love at those moments. I don't know where it comes from, and I admire her capacity for it because usually I'm just sort of, you know, cynical <laughs> and grumpy and, and, uh, uh, and incapable of, of, those, of those feelings. But they, she does it for me, um, and, and that's, that's what I love about her as a mom. That's really sweet. What's uh, what's the most annoying thing about Allison's parenting? The rest. <laughs> uh, Everything else. <laughs> she no. She the the thing that we probably it's probably not the thing that we have the most conflict over, but the thing that that um, that bothers me the most that I think is kind of correctable that that we that that she persists in is. Uh, and it's it's sort of related to that, but she's very. She and yet gets, she persisted. And yet she persisted. She gets emotionally involved in in the kids in a way in their lives, and like um, uh, I wouldn't say obsessed, but they're they're you know she she gets really keyed up about what's going on in their lives in ways that I think if we were a little bit more relaxed and just let them live, and we do, we don't it, we don't bother them with it. Um, I just she... bother you with it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> this so... isn't really my parenting flaw. <laughs> uh, so that's the thing where I'm always, you know, sort of like just relax, little, let, let it, let it be. And, I care uh, too much. Yes, that's <laughs> like Hillary Clinton. You yes. just, that's your biggest flaw. Is you care too much. <laughs> it's a great thing to say during a job interview too. <laughs> uh, thanks, honey. I can't wait to come on your podcast and say all of your. <laughs> Wonderful well, qualities and the things that are correctable. <laughs> the best thing um, about this experience, though, is that for the first time ever, John listened to a little of your podcast, Allison. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I will listen to this one. You know, I, I, I don't want her to feel judged or critiqued or, or feel like she, you know, it's good. It, it was probably better that, that you uh, that I had my own little know. thing. But I am very proud of you. Uh, it's certainly the the thing that uh, the amount of um, recognition that you got just from like randos on the street, the number of people who like recognize your voice, the number of people who like clearly listened. Um, it was very. I've, I was always very uh, proud of you for this, and uh, and thought you did a great job. Thanks, honey. Thanks, John. Thanks All for right. calling in. Love you, on. Bye. Love you too. Bye. Love you too, John. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. All right. Well, that's it, Allison. Um, I really, really loved co-hosting the show with you. But uh, but do you have any final words you would like to say to our listeners? Yes. So I have also really, really loved doing the show. And I'm sad about leaving. I It's been sort of a um, gradual withdrawal. So I, I wasn't expecting to feel sad. But, um, but I do. And I did actually reading everybody's comments on our Facebook page. Yesterday, I, it made, first of all, it made me feel really good about myself. So thank you. Uh, listeners who commented uh, but it it made me sad and it's really it's been a wonderful experience on a bunch of different levels like I would say you know Dan it changed our relationship before the show we were friends and you even helped me get the job at Slate Um, but 
I love you and respect you. And I'm really glad that our families in some ways got to do this thing together. And that's been like a very uh, special part of doing the show. And I'm not even mad that you got a book deal out of it. And I didn't. Um, Not too late. (laughs) I've also loved hearing from you guys, the listeners. We've said this before. All the podcasts say they get, you know, great listener mail. And we always say we get the best. But like, really, it's pretty... um, I don't know what the right word is. I can't really express how good it has felt to be a person you wanted to write to, to talk about your parenting or marriage or whatever life challenges and to share good news. I remember somebody wrote in to tell us that she was pregnant and she couldn't wait to tell us. And like that felt great. That really felt great. Um, And then finally, I do think that doing the show has made me a better parent, despite the fact that I have a huge um, pile of mail at home. Um, and despite the fact that my kids don't know how to express their love for me on a podcast. Uh, but who knows how things would be different if I hadn't done this. But I do think that I yell less because of this show. Uh, I think I'm less precious about my kids because of this show. I'm pretty sure that I pushed myself and my kids to be involved in our community more because of things that I've figured out by doing this show and I know for fucking sure that uh, doing the show has made my feelings about sorry I'm gonna get up on my little soapbox now collective responsibility to send our kids to public school even stronger through several episodes that we've done Uh, and I think you know going into this podcast we said we never wanted to be parenting experts and that worked out really well Uh, but I do feel more confident in my ability to raise good people and I know the show wasn't about like it wasn't supposed to be for me, but um, it turned out that in part it was. So thank you guys. It's been really great. And I'm excited to see what the next iteration of it is. Thanks. Allison. Thanks, Allison. Bye. Bye, Dan. Thanks for coming on. Now oh. I'm cavelling. <laughs> it's You guys have to like combine. It's like cavell. You don't have to like cavell. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm a that clip. <laughs> Okay, recommendations. Uh, so the night before my whole family sat down to watch a guy get burned alive in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, we watched Mrs. Doubtfire. Have you watched that movie recently? Not in a long time, no. Uh, this was the best movie I've ever watched with my kids, and we've watched a lot of movies. Harry, I have never seen him laugh that hard. He like he choked several times on his own saliva because he couldn't like control his spit. He was laughing so hard. Uh, the other kids really understood it. I wasn't sure that Wally would understand it, and he kept turning to my mom and saying, uh, the kids missed their dad, but he's right there, <laughs> uh, which I thought was very cute and precocious. Uh, it was definitely like the most enjoyable movie watching experience I've ever had with them. So, and I don't know if there's like, is there something not okay about Mrs. Doubtfire now? Cause he dresses up like, I don't know. No, anyway. I think it's better than ever. <laughs> uh, I highly recommend watching that with your children. If they are, I'd say over three and under 12. That seems like a good one. Yeah. I'll do that. Um, my recommendation is a, a graphic novel that I've been reading with Eliza. Um, it's by Raina Telgemeier, who is a, a well-known cartoonist who did a, a book called Smile, which uh, was a big bestseller. And, and uh, she has a new one called Ghosts, which I haven't read, but which people apparently love. Uh, but the one we are reading is called Drama. It's about a girl in uh, middle school or a high school who um, works in like – who does production on a high school theater performance. She does like set design and and it's a middle school type of story with crushes and and romance you know the name drama of course uh, has two meanings 
But um, it's also about like doing this kind of unglamorous but really engrossing artistic work. And um, reading it with Eliza has been really cool, both because like she gets to see like, oh, look, here's some big kids, you know, doing set design. And that is a cool thing that I had never thought about before. Uh, but it's also engrossing to her because it's uh, it's got a, a romance plot, which she uh, at six years old finds very sort of thrilling and, and exciting and grown up. Um, and she's just learning to read. And, and so after we finished reading a few pages of the book before, bed she'll take it to bed with her and like try to sort of piece her way through the story um and read ahead um and so it's like motivating her to 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 read at a more advanced level than she would otherwise so uh the book is drama it's by reina telgemeier uh it's published by scholastic and it's great Okay, that's our show. Remember to please like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash mom and dad are fighting, and email us at mom and dad at slate.com. Mom and dad are fighting is part of the Panoply Network. See our full roster of shows at iTunes.com slash Panoply. Thanks to our producer, Zach Dinerstein, executive producer of Slate Podcast, Steve Lichtai, and Panoply boss, Andy Bowers. Also, thanks to our guest, Matt Dix, and thanks so much to Dan Coyce and my husband and my kids for all making this a super special episode. And thanks to Gabe for organizing it. And thank you all so, so much for listening. I will miss you. Thank you, Allison. This has been a great show, and it is thanks mostly to you and only slightly to Dan Coyce. I agree. Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.